0: Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30 day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash BGM Podcast. Over 180,000 titles to choose from your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com forward slash BGM Podcast. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash BGM podcast for your free audiobook. Thanks for tuning in to episode 51 of the Black Girl Nerds podcast. This episode is called FAMBROS 101. And magical girls. So, we're gonna get a crash course in podcasting from the team of the Fan Bros. We talked to Tatiana King Jones as well as the Chico Leo and looked, talked about a little bit of everything about podcasting, about how Fan Bros got started. And I'm so excited because I've been a fan of the Fan Bros for a very long time now. And then our following segment is with Joelle Monique. She interviews Kevin Panetta, who you may know best from Zodiac Star Force and Brooke A. Allen, who you know as the artist on Lumberjanes. So they talk about their experience in comics, Magical Girls, and also they have a podcast where they talk about Buffy the Vampire Slayer for both the new fans as well as old fans of the series. So take a listen to, again, episode 51 called Bros 101 and Magical Girls. The Fambro's Show is the premier podcast and website of urban geek culture. Fambro sets itself apart from other podcasts by not only breaking down what's current in geekdom, but also by examining topics under the spectrum of race, gender, sexuality, and cultural differences, particularly how these issues are handled or mishandled. Hosted each week by DJ Benamine and Tatiana King Jones, with contributor Chico Leo, the Fambro Show is the voice of the urban geek. The following segment features Tatiana King Jones and Chico Leo. Enjoy. Welcome to this segment of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. My name is Jamie. I am your host. We have a really exciting show. I am so geeked to have the crew from Fan Bros here on the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. I have had the opportunity to interview with them on their show, also meet with them. We've done podcasts with them at live remotes. So I'm here tonight with Tatiana King Jones and Chico Leo from the Fan Bros. Welcome. Hello.
1: So, Ooh, what's up? I'm so excited.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited too. I, I love you guys. And it's great to actually podcast with guests that I've actually met in real life, like in person. So,
2: yes.
0: you know, this is a special kind of podcast for me right now. Uh, so, so let, let's get started. I, I really want to know more about Bros and your, your origin story, if you will when was the fan team started and how did you guys all meet? Cause you guys are a pretty big group.
1: Yeah, we're pretty big. I'm trying to think, should I tell you the Sam Rimey origin story or, <laughs> um, no. Okay. So, I mean, since I started talking, um, I, I was the quote unquote, the newest addition, even though this is now two and a half years ago where we started. Um, I, I, Knew sort of kind of knew Ben previously through Twitter, or at least I was following him for a long time because of his his DJ exploits and uh, the fact that he he dropped a lot of new music. He had a um, site where he was doing that, and of, of course he went to Howard, H U, you know. Got to shout out my Bison. <laughs> um, at the time, he had literally maybe was two or three episodes into Fan Bros, um, the predecessor of what is now Fan Bros, which included Combat Jack. Um, a, and a, actually like it was like six people at the time um, they did like a few pilot episodes and then at one point Ben I mean put a, a APB out on Twitter basically just saying hey <laughs> we're looking for women who are into geek nerd, whatever stuff and if you're into it just let me know if you want to do a podcast let's talk i at the time had literally just uh ended my run with we nerd hard with elon james white Mm -hmm. so when i saw that i was just like holy that that, that's right up my alley so i like pinged him really quick um we um we were i think we were already following each other so we just had like a dm message to like kind of set up uh, a test uh, time if you will and then um the rest is as they say history.
0: Wow. And and Chico Leo, when was when did all of this happen?
3: So yeah, I I can actually fill in a little before that. And I, I played I actually I played a big role in Tatiana coming here and I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you how. Yeah. So um I knew Chris um who's Reggie uh, Combat Jack's partner in the, the Loudspeakers Network. And he told me about you know about about Fan Bros, and we actually did an aborted version, like a pilot that never aired, and everyone sort of thought it was too negative. And then <laughs> Ben Ben came in, and Ben is you know super positive and super optimistic, and so we did one with Ben, me, and Combat Jack, and that became. The pilot, although I think that might have been the only one that that Combat Jack was on, um, but we quickly, um, yeah. So everybody said, yeah, we need to get a, a female uh, female voice on here. And at the time, actually, Doctor Who was really, really big, and neither Ben nor I watched Doctor Who, so we ended up reaching out. Now this is so. Um, I saw a tweet of Tatiana's uh, after a Game of, uh, a Game of Thrones episode where she made a joke about them um, them making Jamie carry his hand like a Jesus piece or something like that. <laughs> it was a really funny. It was, a, and that so sounds I, like me. yeah, and I <laughs> it does. Out, I pointed that out to Ben, and so when he reached out to you, I'm telling you, it's because I was like, "Yo, did you see this tweet? We should definitely have her on." And um, then uh, we still didn't have a Doctor Who person, so Jamie Rigetti yeah. came on, and she was on for a while, but ironically ended up getting a job with the BBC or BBC America, oh. so she couldn't talk about Doctor Who, yeah. and she uh, soon after that left, but um, yeah, there were a few, I mean not many, it's, it's true, There, but there were like four or five, maybe six episodes before Tatiana and 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 then Jamie came on. And um, so then, yeah, and then uh, then it was a foursome and then a threesome and then a twosome and then a threesome again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Chico Leo's hiatus. I'm sure he'll he'll
3: mention that. Right. Well, and and also shout out to so there's the three of us and also uh, Kimsonian Space Ghost producer, who is, you know, our producer mm-hmm. and Ty the Robot, who is also producer and editor yes. and just genuine, you know, general man about town.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the core team right there. Wow. That's like a full fledged production team for a podcast, which is yeah. so impressive. Um, and by the way, when you refer to Ben, it's DJ Ben Amin. Uh, yes. For those of you guys listening, so he he came up with the idea for the Fan Bros show, and then you guys all formed together as a collective. Is that? Accurate? I, it
3: seems like it was Reggie. It was it was Combat Jack's idea because at that point it was just the Combat Jack show, ah, okay. and then they were expanding into a network, and they're like, "What other shows can we do?" And um, I think we actually premiered the same week as This Is The Read. And so other than Combat Jack, our two podcasts are the two longest running in, in the loudspeakers network.
0: Nice, nice. And that's an impressive team of podcasters. I love This Is The Read. They, they have some really great shows. Um, I, and I had the pleasure, as I mentioned at the top of the segment, I had the pleasure of meeting you guys in person. We all met at New York Comic Con this yep. year. And I wanted to know, are you guys based out of New York City?
1: Yeah, yeah, we're all we're all in the New York City area. Um, I know Fambro's town hometown, home turf is Brooklyn, New York.
0: Nice. Well,
3: we're like an octopus. I mean, we have tentacles everywhere. Yeah,
0: <laughs> ben, <laughs> uh, great ben analogy.
3: That is, is from Houston, and he brought in L O Y C who. Mm-hmm. Uh, People can hear sometimes on the, the special deliveries that get released on Monday talking about T V shows and LOYC's also Houston. And then there's definitely been um you could definitely say there's definitely the Howard influence, uh, through guests. We've definitely had six yeah. or seven really great, you know, guests who've come from you know, from Howard, you know, yeah, from for sure. you know, Tanahasie Coates to um Neil drumming to I mean I'm I'm blanking on people yeah. but yeah.
1: Yeah, that's all Washington DC based and then like like as we said we, we still have a large family who does other things. So like we have what we, I call the resident artists and again they're like all over the country. So uh, that that's a good analogy, Chico. Yeah, like yeah, spread out. But but <laughs> <laughs> but if if you had to pick one place is where's the heart I will say New York. In New York. Oh
0: yeah. So and then you guys have a studio based out of New York City where you guys are recording the podcasts, but you also do remote podcasts for yep. people that are obviously not in the area and you record the interviews that way. Do you find yep. it more challenging when you're doing those remote podcasts as opposed to the in-studio podcast or is it the opposite? I
1: wouldn't say it was, ch- I guess, because our setup is is pretty profesh, <laughs> but it, 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 it sounds really good. I mean, at least from the playback, most of the time, when you listen to these things, a lot of times people don't can't even, don't even realize that these, these people, these guests we're talking to are not in the room. It's not all the time, but it, wow. it sounds pretty good because I guess, because the, 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 the call and response is so fast that you wouldn't know that there, you know, they may be like a Skype delay or something like that. So, um, it's, I wouldn't say it's hard. Uh, it, obviously, when someone's sitting in the room with you, you can feel their energy. Mm-hmm. You can feel their presence more. You can see the. Uh, you can feel and I because I am really good about feeling energy. You can feel the cadence in their voice. So if right. someone says something, you can when you can't see their face, you can interpret it many different ways. And when they're sitting right in front of you and they're either frowning or sad or stone faced or whatever it is, mm-hmm. you have a a better sense of how to respond. However, I think because we've been doing this as a team for so long that we've been very good at learning how to gauge and read people, even when we're not able to have their face right in front of us. So, um, overall, I, I I don't, I wouldn't call it like harder or anything like that. It's always better to have someone in person, but we've adapted very well.
3: I mean, I think the other advantage to, or the only real advantage to when, um, you know, at Skype or remote, when we're in the room, is we like Tatiana just said, we've been together so long now um, that we can definitely communicate with like hand gestures and our eyes and everything like that to sort of you know um, push the interview into different directions or you know point to someone to bring up you know bring something up that they wanted to bring up. So you know, when the person's not in the room, I feel like we can control the interview sometimes a little better.
0: Right, right. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Um, Tatiana, you are the lone girl of the FAMBROS team. Mm -hmm. And how has that been for you? Do you find it challenging sometimes to be the only girl to provide the female perspective? Or do you enjoy that, you know, just kind of hanging out with the guys? I, I like it both ways.
1: Like when Jamie in the earlier days of the podcast, when Jamie Rigetti was with us, I, I totally enjoyed having another woman in the room with me or just helping to more or less wrangle these guys. Because sometimes as, as you may know that when guys get together and then they kind of get stuck on one idea or thought, then it becomes into this bro fest
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, or like how I always call it sausage fest. But <laughs> <laughs> So, so obviously to me, the more women that are in the room, the better you have of balance, the better you have of varying opinion. And and to me, you have more sense. I just feel like women just have more sense. Yeah, you have your outliers, but I just feel like women and common sense go hand in hand. And, and it's, it's good to have that mixture there now that I have been by myself. And again, this is because it's just been so long with this group. These are literally like my brothers. Like I tell them all the time like I, I love them like mm-hmm. I they're my family not just spambro's family they're my family family like if something would happen to them I don't know what I would do so to be with this group who have been nothing but supportive to me um and like they don't push the issue that I'm the only woman on the show like right. they won't always make it a point to be like, oh, well, you know, Tatiana, what do you think from a girl's perspective? Like, it's never like that. It's never a kind of fuddy-duddy like that. I think it definitely obviously helps to have to be a female voice in the room when it's just completely all male for the most part, um, because of what I said about the balance aspect, but also like to address items that they may not be thinking at the moment where I'll come in with that third perspective and then that will really help shape our overall interview even more. So I it's a, it's a little bit of both for me. I, I I think it's cool. I don't have any issues with it whatsoever. I feel totally comfortable. I love when there's more women on the show. Sometimes it's great when it's like three against two because then we can gang up and do fun stuff. But <laughs> at, at the same time, I, I think it's cool.
0: I feel like it's very balanced with you there and the guys. When you guys get into just any kind of discussion, whether you're doing the Star Wars versus Star Trek thing, it just sounds like it's a nice, casual conversation between friends. And you can definitely feel that chemistry between all of you. It's very pervasive as a listener. So it doesn't feel like there's maybe two people that kind of are like, "Eh, I can't stand that person. Like you guys generally like each other and enjoy each other's company. And, and that makes it very, you know, enjoyable to listen to is as, as someone that's on the other side, hearing your voices.
3: Yeah. That's, and, that's what DeRay said. DeRay, during our yeah, interview, it was a Skype interview. He said he could tell there was a lot of love in the room.
0: Oh, yeah,
1: sure. yeah. I mean, and you know what you said, like just reminded me of something I was thinking of earlier. Like, I I think less about being the only woman in the room than I think about being like the only I guess, diehard Star Trek fan in the room. (laughs) I'm always, and I'm, as people who listen to show, I'll get loud and I'll tell people about themselves. Like, I always get like, Loud when, when Ben Amin is constantly being wild, disrespectful about Star Trek. <laughs> Y'all go at it. I'm
0: just like, <laughs> like no chill. We go,
1: <laughs> we go at it, and it sounds like we're about to kill each other. But when, when we, we're not recording, like we just bust out laughing because it's true. Like he'll clown me, he'll get some really good jabs in, and then I'll come in and be like, hey, hey, Will, watch yourself. So, right. Uh, it, it's really more so like fandom stuff that that's where you really see the differences. But as far as like the uh, uh, gender? No, nah, not not at all. That's
0: awesome.
3: And I think it, it, it helps the show. I mean, if you have a show talking about Jessica Jones, for example, and mm-hmm. it's just two guys talking about Jessica Jones, there's so much in Jessica Jones story that is a woman's story or issues that happen to women every day, every minute, every, you know, whatever in terms of, you know, the stalking, the sexual violence, mm-hmm. the PTSD and all that stuff. Right. And, and, and it is important to, uh, to have, you know, to, 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 to have, uh, you know, a, a genuine voice talk, talking about that. But, uh, you know, we also even talking about current events and social issues and things like that. I think it was really important that Tatiana was there when we were talking about Rachel Dolezal,
2: because mm. I think me
3: and Ben did not recognize i mean black women in particular seemed really hurt and offended and mm-hmm. violated by what she did mm-hmm. and i just think i don't think ben sort of understood that or i understood that level of it and so right. you know from where we were coming from it was all about the you know ridiculous lengths that she went to to perpetrate this hoax but not the hoax itself and you know i i I mean i certainly read a lot of stuff on twitter but if i hadn't been in the room talking with someone who was per- i mean just hurt in a way that i never could have been over over that you know it, it yeah was, yeah I mean, it was yeah. really important you know like so
1: yeah um, to, to your point chico i that's that to me maybe the more important side of it not just being a woman but a black woman right, right? because as you say you do inherently don't have that viewpoint so for by me being there that that as you, and also as you say, Jamie, that is an incredible balance because it also speaks to the people who are listening to the show. We have tons of black women who are listening to the show, tons of of, of all types of people of color, right. LGBTQ, like it's across the board. And the more we can represent the people who are listening to us, the more we feel that we're, we're like really genuinely getting
0: out the different opinions of, of the of the news of the day, if you will. Yeah, I I think that's awesome. I mean, that's what blurred spaces. I think that's why a lot of us have created these spaces um, for people of color, because we're able to enjoy our fandom. We're able to geek out, but we're also able to talk about those social justice issues. I remember being on your show and we were talking about Ferguson incident and Mike Brown and, and just all of the. Uh, vitriol and backlash that we were seeing happening on Twitter. And, and I think, again, it, it really is important that people of color have these kinds of spaces where we can talk about all of our passions, but we can also, you know, talk about issues of racism, issues of, you know, white privilege, issues of sexism for for women. So, it's good to be able to see that and balance it out. And, and it's still kind of entertaining at the same time. Like I, that's what mm-hmm. I love about your show. You guys talk about the serious issues, but then you also talk about fun fandom related stuff that is just as interesting. And you're able to create that balance very well. And and that's a hard thing to do.
1: Yeah, th- totally. And I, I, I mean, doing it, like, I don't think about it, but when you, when you express it in that way, I'm like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I, I I mean, Jamie, you yourself with, with, with the uh, BGM podcast, you do that as well. You do address social issues. Uh, you do that with your, with your brand in general, you you do all of that. And I think that's what the key is because as, as we all know, people of color, black people, whatever person you're talking about, no one is a monolith and yeah, there may be people who just want to talk about fun stuff all the time. But then I just feel like there's room to also speak about the things that are affecting you socially because right. they that may in turn affect how you feel about these fandoms, how you feel about yes. when you go to the movies and you see an Egyptian movie that stars all white people, like that that is things that we we, the fan and we, the people, really think about. and yes. and and as and as you're 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 very privy to it's it's something that needs to be addressed and if it's not going to be addressed by the mainstream we as as creators will address it on our
4: own
0: yes yeah I, I'm glad you brought that up too about the whitewashing of Egyptian characters because there was an episode that I listened to where Chico Leo and Ben you guys were talking about Hawkman and how there was a lot of whitewashing happening in the show Arrow, his character and I just thought, yeah, that that bothers me. And, and but yet people on Twitter, I had noticed and I don't know if you saw this too, Chico Leo, but people were actually like defending the whitewashing of this character based off of canon, when there's a lot of things that we've seen in both Arrow and The Flash that haven't been canon. There's been a lot of race bending happening. What, what are your thoughts about, you know, the whole issues of whitewashing um, with those characters and just characters in general?
3: So I, that's, I, I mean, that's a huge, huge, huge thing for me um, in particular is, is actually not just the whitewashing of um, stuff that, that comes to screen or onto, or you know, books or comics or whatever, but the whitewashing that occurs by, by all the stuff that doesn't even come to the, the, uh, to the screen. So the, the example that I always like to use is that one in four cowboys in America was black. So, by there should be a quarter of all of all cowboy movies of all Westerns should star a black guy or a black woman. Mm. I don't even, you know, I mean, I don't even know if there are 10 out of the thousands of Westerns. It's 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 that it's the idea that they're not even making. They're not even telling the stories of all the, the black cowboys. I, I haven't seen the the Chris Hemsworth like whale movie that came out. The you know, movie did. Well, no, 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 it's it's the 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 real thing that happened that Moby Dick was based on, oh. and I I read the book, and like a third of the crew was black, and I I haven't wow. seen any black people in the actual trailer. Wow! So it, it, it it's 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 all over the place in a way that's completely. Um, Sofia Coppola made the movie The Bling Ring, and the two le- the two people uh, in, in in the two main characters. Or a la- in real life, or a Latino and an Asian girl, and in the movie, it's a white guy and a half Asian girl.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: So it's like it's not even just the genre stuff. It's 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 all over, and it's it's something in particular that that you know. I, I think it's it, it absolutely the, the the Ridley Scott Egypt movie is absurd I mean like totally absurd but there's also all the stuff that we don't even talk about because it never even made it to the screen right like, th- think about if if a quarter of all westerns you know starred you know as, as they should you know like historically if they want to be historically accurate starred a you know a black or a black man or a black woman because there are there are female uh, black western heroes Too, and so um, it's a real problem, and it's a problem both with how you know in 2015 that they're making an ancient Egypt movie, and and it's it's made even worse because Ridley Scott his his excuse was oh well I had to go with you know the money no one's going to pay you know twenty dollars to see you know Hakeem so and so you know who (laughs) they've never heard of but he made um he made a movie Kingdom of Heaven. Where I, And it, it actually is about Saladin, the, the Arab um, uh, leader. And he cast all these Arab uh, actors in that, all these Middle Eastern actors of all different shades. And so he had just made a movie five years earlier where he did cast a bunch of legitimate, you know, Middle Eastern, North African guys and. Um, So he really had no excuse. I I honestly don't know. I mean, that one is such an out not an outlier, but it's so absurd. I mean, at least in Tut, they cast like Indian dudes and um, um, a South Asian woman who was was an Indian. But, you you know, like they were they were they weren't black, but they were beige. Mm -hmm. They were brown. They were there was a nod to the fact that these people weren't white. And the fact that they can I mean, I guess white guys, like real white, I mean, um, who I like, you know, Joel Edgerton, I like him, but I think it's a, it's, it's loot. It's like a Saturday Night Live skit to have that yeah. guy play the pharaoh. It's totally ridiculous. Yeah. So it, it, yes, I do. I do think it's a problem, but I think it's, it's two problems. It's, it's, it's what they're doing and it's also what they're not doing, all the stuff that they're not showing.
0: Right. I appreciate your conversation about Hawkman, because that was something that was disconcerting for me, seeing that and knowing that they can do better, uh, the team from uh, the CW network. And I I was surprised that they decided to go down that path by casting a white actor, but to each his own on that one.
3: (laughs) So I... I Oh. oh, I was going to say one one thing with that, and I don't know. I mean, they seem to be doing better with just the straight sort of dichotomy or duality of, like, black and white. Mm-hmm. It's when they get into, um, you know, Asian and Latin um. and brown and beige. Like, I, I would – I commend Arrow and Flash – you know, um and now Supergirl, you know, has got a black Jimmy Olsen. They just introduced Martian Manhunter, he's right. a black guy. Wally yeah. West, uh the Kid Flash is just right. introduced on the face he's a black guy. But there still is really, you know, um, as as was just seen recently with the casting of Iron Fist, you know, there's there's very few You know, they're very happy to put a, uh, you know, well, not very happy, but they're they're definitely open to putting black characters, but they have done very little with Latin and Asian characters. It's still really, uh, you know, like an infancy with that. Yeah,
0: Yeah. totally true. So I wanted to switch gears a little bit about podcasting again and ask what have been your favorite episodes that you could recall? And what's been the worst <laughs> episode that you've done? And you don't have to name names or anything like that, <laughs> um, but you can just give me a general view of your experience.
1: Do you have one in mind, Chico?
3: Well, I mean, there's episodes that I'm, you know, like I'm proud that Juno Diaz came on and that DeRay uh, McKesson came on and, and and sort of people of that stature. Yeah. Um, I actually... Um, Juno Diaz was incredible, uh, and it almost—if you listen to the interview, like me and Ben are just sort of, like, not—not well, not that we're on the sideline or whatever—but I can't say that inter- that 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 episode is great because of us, because uh, it's definitely all because of Juno Diaz. I thought we had some really good conversations with uh, Duray with Tanahasi, but. Um, you know, there's episodes you know, when Neil Drumming came on and and, and and sort of blew my mind with the idea that actually Linda Hamilton is the Terminator in Terminator 2, you know, um, and, and that you should be looking at it that way, even though obviously she's not literally the Terminator, but she's the she's the killing machine, and, you know, Arnold is sort of off saying hasta la. You know, and so yeah. that's something that always stayed with me um, and has definitely, I, I had always sort of, I'd never been as big a fan of Terminator 2, and so this guy came on the show that I'd never met before, and sort of blew my mind. And there's been so many guests who've done that or, or, or something like that. And so, I, I, I mean, there there are there are a lot. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's so much that goes into it. I mean, if you had a bad day, you know, you might not enjoy recording the show as much. And it's hard once the show's been recorded and you've listened to it. It's hard to sort of remember maybe how you were feeling. I mean, I don't, right. I don't, I'm not trying to cop out on the, uh, on, on the, uh, on the, on the question.
0: Oh, uh, no, no. That, that, I mean, that's good. You, it sounds like overall you've had a great experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to take
1: it from... Be Chico. I, I don't want to see you flounder. I'm sorry to take I'm it sorry. from you. I I know the political answer is always oh every episode is the best episode, but no, that's not true. Um, there are episodes that maybe resonate more with each of us individually. Mm-hmm. I, I I do really think most of our episodes like like really stick hard with me because even at the end when we're, when we're done talking to everyone, like we really connect with the guests. It's the part that people don't hear. Uh, the listeners don't hear because we, you know, we we edit our show as well. It's not live for yeah. the most part. I would say, in the most recent history, the Tanihati Coates episode uh, was really big for me. And also the Perry Young episode, particularly um, because of what Chico was just talking about when it comes to Asian representation in media and in film and, and things like that. And Perry Young, for those who don't know, he plays uh, Ping Wu on Nick. Uh, he was also on Gotham. I'm not sure. I forgot who he played, but he yeah, also- he was a
3: vil- he was a villain on Gotham. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. He's, he's he's doing a bunch. Yeah. He's he's, he's
1: all, all over the place. And he also is known for the uh, for 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 creating and teaching people how to play the shakuhachi flute, which is that if you if you ever pretty much watch any Japanese like movie or anime, is that that flute that real? Uh, I don't even want to say it, like like country kind of flute sound that's like really visceral and really airy but anyway he being on the show when he was really expressing what it really meant to be uh, of uh, an actor of Asian descent in this in in the in- industry as it is now and then when he was just even explained to us at one point he was like in a way Black people are ahead of Asians when it comes to cinema, and mm-hmm. I I don't I don't want to just I don't want to just boil down everything he said into one. Cause I really think people should listen to that episode to really get the full context of what he said. But his explanations and elaborations on on really why he meant that and why he said that that it was really powerful for me. So. I I have, like, a love, love, like, so many different episodes. Um, The only episodes I would say I I may not have love are when we have severe technical issues. Again, the listeners will never know. But there are a couple where it's like we were really going through it.
3: (laughs) Someone's in the control board and stuff.
1: Like, seriously. and, and And just... Stuff that's just severe delay So when right. when you're in a podcast that and you're with a group of people who's really excited and really amped, whether it's just it's you or it's your guest or or the combination of the two, and you run into that wall of technical issues that really really is a downer. So I mean they, I, I can't even remember which one it was. I probably blocked it out of my mind. It was such a bad memory. <laughs> but, <laughs> but but uh, overall like I. I just enjoy. It. I just feel like if I was not enjoying doing this podcast, I wouldn't be on the podcast.
0: Yeah. I mean it sounds like you guys really enjoy it and that you guys are having so much fun and having a blast from one episode to the next. And there's a lot of folks that are getting into podcasting and this is a platform, it's really a social media network where people can express their ideas, their concerns, their passions. Um, and any, which way they please, whether they do an interview or they're just, you know, randomly talking off the cuff. So mm-hmm. you guys have been doing it for, for a while now, three years strong. What advice do you have for budding podcasters out there that want to get started and they don't quite know where to go? Um, what, what are some gems that you can drop for us on getting started in podcasting?
3: Get a good mic.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's so the, true.
3: <laughs> the Yeti blue mic that has just been on sale all over, you know, with Cyber Week and, and Black Friday and Green Monday and all that. Um, yeah. and, and consistency, you know, um, I think, you know, releasing it regularly so that people know to expect it um, is important um, because people forget. And um, if you haven't released your podcast for a few weeks, um, you know, pe- people forget, you know, people forget their, their memories are short.
1: That's
2: so true.
1: Yeah. Not only do people forget when people remember, they, they, they really hold you accountable for when you're not delivering, when you said you would deliver, especially if you've set up a pattern and then all of a sudden you try to like, you switch it without really warning them at a time, or you don't, as I said, deliver what, or you won't pay what you owe, if you will. Uh, that that's important, but towards Chico's point, yes, consistency is key. Consistency, not just Putting out a show, but the consistency in the quality of your show. Mm I I stress to new people who are who are who are people who are newly jumping into the podcast space to do your research. And what that really means is you need to go on Google and type in how to create or do or make a podcast. And just get as just get more understanding of, and it doesn't have to be expensive at all. In fact, you can do it for for the most part free or for very small, relatively small investment in terms of like, if you want to buy a nice mic, make sure your mic sounds great. There are plenty of uh, free audio programs you can use that you don't have to pay a dime for. And it's just as good as the programs that you have to pay for. I would say do a lot of testing first and, and, and try not to do too much too soon. Like get familiar with, your tools that you have get familiar with the way your voice sounds a lot of people including myself sometimes like you may not even like the way you sound on there you may realize that you're doing a lot of uh what I call vocal garbage when you say um uh well all these other things like a lot of this stuff people don't realize until you record yourself then you listen back and you're like holy crap I sound like I just sound horrible <laughs> <laughs> so it's just I, I think, I think it, you have to go through that testing phase. Not just with yourself, but also you can go with with an, someone else just say, "Hey, can you just listen to this and just tell me tell me what it sounds like to you?" Uh, what do you have any takeaways? any constructive feedback? not criticism but constructive feedback. but besides that, just getting tr- trying to get as as good equipment and trying to really learn how to make it work. if you want to listen to other podcasts that are already out to just get a better understanding of maybe how a podcast can sound does, and I use the word can because your podcast does not have to sound like every other podcast out there. Right. Um, you could, it can be different in in many different ways. Just allow yourself the time and space to grow into it, because it's not going to be perfect right away. Particularly if you're just starting out, it's it's definitely a growing process. And even with FAMBROS, though we've been doing, though we've been here for three years it is still a growing process for us. There's still things that we're learning, still things that we're tweaking, still things that we're modifying in order to bring about the best quality and the best result that we can and and, and making sure that our listeners are happy with what we're putting
3: out. And there still is a notion that it it is like a little bit of a Wild West out there. Um, You know, it's not an official industry with like, its own version of The Hollywood Reporter or Billboard or, you know, whatever where you can open up every day and it talks about – you know, what different executives at different, you know, podcasting networks are up to, it's still all very much just sort of happening. And some people are trying, you know, one thing and other people are trying another. You know, it took them a while to figure out what, you know, the, the average length of a movie or a novel, you know, some yeah. people put out 20 minute podcasts, some people put out three hour podcasts. And um, I still think it, it almost hasn't really happened, or if it has it's, it's in its infancy, is the idea of... Um, episodic story telling, you know, via podcast, you know, like, like yeah, or even fictional stuff, you know, like an old, you know, radio show like the shadow or the lone ranger mm-hmm. or, um, you know, something like that. Um, so I, I think that there's still a lot, a lot's going to happen, but I also think eventually like anything else, the bigger, you know, corporations are going to get involved and they're going to start snapping up properties. But, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was like, you know, a Captain America podcast, you know, a few a few years from now that's, you know, Captain America talking to people or, yeah. or, tell, or telling, you know, the adventures of Captain America or something like that, yeah. you know?
1: And I, that's, yeah, and that's something that, that reminds me, Chico, that's something that I had talked to someone after the the Geeks of Color Panel at New York Comic Con, they were, and I think actually I think it was a a group question, and this is true. You can make a podcast about anything, anything, yeah, and and yes, because it's a wild, wild rest There's there, and I actually think that's just the nature of podcasting in general. There's no real rule in terms of how long it could be, the format, whether it's episodic, whether it's you know long form, short form, whatever. Whether you're talking about knitting or you're talking about building spaceships like it, if you can do it in a way that's entertaining for you and and people like to listen to it and if you're looking to build an audience just make sure that you're you're understand the basics and that you're doing a lot of research and revision
0: and and really working on it that is excellent excellent advice and i think also with the whole Captain America podcast. I think that's very interesting. I I would love to hear a podcast in comic book form. I know that Marvel has a podcast, and I would listened to an episode recently, but their format is structured very similar to many podcasts where they just do like an interview with a celebrity, and they talk about, um, like this particular episode, it was about Jessica Jones, and they had Kristen Ritter on there as a guest. So that's been their format. But Marvel does have the capacity to just go ahead and, do a comic book story on a podcast format, and that would be pretty interesting to listen to, and and, and probably a business model could be formed out of that. Absolutely, the audience is there, uh,
1: and as you, as you mentioned, the
0: business model is actually there. There, there's
1: as you've seen, there's plenty of companies that are sponsors for podcasts. Uh, a lot of people think about, well, should I go into podcast as a job? Yeah, you can do it. It's mm-hmm. actually a viable career if you really wanted to go into it at this point. So, it I think you have to be as a person who's looking to go into it, just be clear about your intentions. Your intentions may change as as time goes in mm-hmm. goes by. At the same time, just just understand why do you want to do this, and whether it's for profit or for fun. Just just make sure that you're you're doing it because that's that's really what you want to do.
0: Yes, I completely agree. And you guys don't just do podcasts. You guys have a multimedia network. You are doing blog posts. You are doing press coverage and filming video interviews. And you have a YouTube channel. And recently at New York Comic Con, you did an interview with the entire cast of Mr. Robot. Which I was so jealous of,
2: because
0: <laughs> I'm obsessed with that show, and you, I, I it, it was impressive um, by far that you guys had the opportunity to meet all of the cast, and and, and I gotta ask, well, Tatiana, you was there in the room with Rami himself. What is he like? Oh, child, Rami, Rami, Rami. <laughs> um, he is adorable.
1: Like, mm. I'm not even gonna lie, he's so adorable. <laughs> <laughs> So for everyone who 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 calls him Bay, you know, the, the Hacker Bay, if you if you will he he's he it's that same feeling is is there in the room when you in the room with him. Obviously he's not Elliot, so he's not like this neurotic crazed guy like staring at you with those big eyes. Um or like I called the prince deer eyes. <laughs> like you can't, <laughs> you can't stare at it for too long. Don't stare directly into his eyes, but he he's just And it sounds so cliche for the most part, but he's he's very nice. He's just, yeah, he's very inviting. Both uh, I spoke to him and Christian Slater first, and they're both just at least towards me. They were both very inviting and very, very um, positive. Mm -hmm. And like to me, Rami was also like a little like he was real comfortable. Like when we took that picture together. I didn't know he was going to be like leaning up on me. And so I was like,
0: okay. yeah, he leans in. I was like, wow. <laughs>
1: like I wasn't expecting that. So I was just like, oh, I'm just going to stay here. But, <laughs> but um, overall, as, as you, as you're ex- expressing as well, it, it was really, again, I'm also obsessed with that show. And from both a technical standpoint and from just yeah. entertainment standpoint. Yep. And it was really an experience to talk to all of them and see them outside of their shelves uh, not the shell, but outside of the, the mask of each of these different characters, because, you know, there are actors playing other people, but sometimes also playing a little bit of themselves. There's always pieces in every actor, in every role they play, there's pieces of themselves in that character, unless it's just like a complete psycho. <laughs> and even then, sometimes there's pieces of their real selves in there. Um any pretty much everyone just super, super nice, super uh inviting, uh, uh very open to speak about pretty much anything you want to talk to them about. I will say um Martin, the I can't pronounce I never can pronounce his last name right. Martin Wallstrom, the the guy who plays a uh, Psycho. Tyrone.
0: Yep, Tyrone.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he he
0: gives off those
1: I'm not sure vibes like he made me nervous <laughs> like and I don't and I don't get nervous
0: with anybody so like
1: maybe I think it was his eyes again this this print they're D very
0: guy. intense they're very intense I remember seeing them I, I did have a chance to see the whole cast when they did the panel over at New York Comic Con and I was in the front row and he was very intense. he seems like he's he's intense but he seems like he's an introvert and very shy because he didn't yeah. really answer a whole lot of questions compared to the other cast members so yeah, yeah I would
1: I would say so. Being standing there next to him and talking to him, like even asking for the picture. Yeah, he's inverted. He's nice. At the same, time, he's very intense. And I mm. think if you're not, if you're not personally prepared to to accept that intensity into your life, you may be taken aback a little. Bit.
3: <laughs> <laughs> the mind intensity. Yeah, I was not. I was not in the room because my toilet exploded that morning. I remember you they, telling
0: me that when we yes. first met, you well, told me but, your toilet story.
3: But, <laughs> while they were interviewing the cast of Mr. Robot, which I was really looking forward to doing, I was literally in Home Depot buying a new toilet.
0: Oh my god!
3: Where are I are will say toilets Where are, are cheaper than you think. Your costume too, right? Yes, exactly. Dressed, uh, you know, not ridiculously for Comic Con, but ridiculously for Home Depot. For Home Depot, although yes. Oh, no one. No no one batted an eye in Home Depot I well you were that. in New
0: York so you know I mean <laughs> yeah that...
3: <laughs> but I missed that and Gotham because of my toilet so uh yeah oh, the, I didn't get to, they got to meet everyone from Gotham and uh, I wasn't there for that either
0: yeah and and for those that are listening uh Chico Leo was wearing this blazer that had these comic <laughs> panels all over it of these superheroes and it Yeah, it was very colorful, very bright. A very
3: loud blazer. Yes.
0: (laughs) So imagine thinking that in Home Depot. Mine's
3: mine's black. Ben has a matching one
2: in white. Yes, Ben um, had
0: one as well. Yeah. Yeah. That was great seeing you guys together there. Um, Well, that's awesome. I'm I'm glad that you guys are doing so well podcasting, interviewing celebrities. You've got a blog, got a huge social media network. These guys are on Twitter all the time. That's how I was able to connect with you. That's how I found you guys was via Twitter. Uh, So for all of our listeners that haven't heard about FAMBROS yet, if you haven't, shame on you. But yeah. tell us where they can find you, your website, your social media shout outs, and if there's any future events that you're doing. Because another thing with the Fan Bros team is they do a lot of live remotes. They go to a lot of venues in the city and do their podcasts live. So if there's anything that's going on, uh, shout it out and let us know about it so we can check it out.
1: So you can find the Fambros podcast wise. You can find the Fan Bros at SoundCloud.FanBros.com we're also on iTunes if you just search Fan Bros show you'll find us we're also on Stitcher do the same thing uh, there's also several podcast aggregators out there that pick up our show so really if you listen to podcasts at all we're on there as far as fanbros the site it's fanbros.com of our youtube is fanbrose tv and Alternatively, we have all all of our social media accounts are all around the same thing. So fa- Facebook, we have a Facebook a Bros Facebook page. We have the Bros Facebook, Twitter, Fambro Show. We have Instagram. My, I pretty much we're on everything we're supposed to be on. <laughs> so you we can which is another good easily. advice for
0: for podcasters is to
1: yeah, get your social media
5: be, life together.
1: Be, be accessible.
0: So we're we're
1: very accessible that way. Uh, you can personally find uh, DJ Ben Amin at, at DJ Ben Amin, uh, DJ, the letter D, the letter J, B as in boy, E-N as in Nancy, H-A-M-E-E-N uh, on Twitter. Um, you can find me, Tatiana King,
3: T-A-T-I-A-N-A-K-I-N-G. Uh,
1: and Chica Leo, you can take the rest. I know you have some more to say.
3: Um, well, I'm on Twitter and Instagram, although I'm rarely on Instagram, but I'm the Chico Leo on Twitter and Instagram. Um, we are doing a, uh, we, we're partnered with um, Mashable Snapchat channel and have been doing a recurring comic sci-copped. Um, Snapchat uh, and uh, we've done two and we filmed another that's going to be airing at some point in the next month, but we'll be filming more of those. Um, so keep it keep an eye out for those. Yeah. Um, in terms of live stuff, there's a lot of stuff that we're talking about, but I think it's 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 all going to be, you know, in in the new year. I don't think anything's happening before the holidays.
1: Yeah, well, we're always pretty vocal about any new stuff that's uh, any live events that are happening. We're actually going to be increasing the amount of live events we're doing going forward. So you'll a lot of people have more opportunity to just see the fambros at work in person. And Chico, just for you, your Twitter is at the Chico Leo. Chico Leo
3: yes. Because at there the is Chico only Leo. one. That's right. There
0: can, <laughs> there can, be can only, only be one. one. Yep. Highlanderish. High.
1: Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, like I said, just I sorry. Just Google bro Show, and because of me, that SEO is turned. So you'll always nice. see us at least the first, maybe four pages. You're gonna see all <laughs> our stuff. So, so there's no there's no reason why why uh, you couldn't um just just be down with us, listen to a show, check out the website. If you want to email us, uh, we also during our shows we have what we call the Guac segment. Which is just our our, um, our fan, uh, fan bros question segment. You can ask us anything uh, about pretty much anything. Try to keep it cute. Don't don't say anything crazy. Uh, <laughs> you can email us uh, at contact at
0: Excellent. Thank you guys so much, and thank you for your thank support you. of, of Black Girl Nerds and Absolutely. just all of the work that you do. I am so um, I, I I admire a lot of the work that you've done. And I look forward, I really do look forward to meeting you guys again at New York Comic Con and us doing some more events in the future. The the Bros team partnered up with BGN and we had done a live podcast for New York Super Week. So I look forward to doing more events with you guys in the future. And, and thanks for taking the time out of your busy, busy schedule, because I know you guys are just like doing stuff 24-7 uh, to do this show tonight. So thank you.
1: Oh thank absolutely. You. Thank thank you yeah. so much for having us. And again, we, we love you as well. We love you. We love BGN we this is yes, we're we're just loving everything right now. <laughs> <laughs> but, but really, like you you have to understand, Jamie, you're you're really a leader in this space and you're a big proponent of being getting people of color and women of color, black women into the forefront. And I want you to realize that and realize that we support you, we the fambros, bros, uh, the fam bros show, like everything. We're all behind you. And again, I want to share love from Ben Amin. He apologized he couldn't be here today, but he's here in spirit and he feels the same way. Thank you so much.
3: Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I can't follow
1: that.
0: Joelle Monique is a comic book writer, freelance journalist for Black Girl Nerds, and Black Hollywood Live, and an all-around artsy person. You can find her on Tumblr and Twitter, at Joelle Monique. In our next segment, Joelle Monique interviews Kevin Panetta and Brooke Allen. Kevin Panetta writes for Zodiac Starforce. He's also written short stories for Bravest Warriors comic book and the educational anthology Wild Ocean. Brooke Allen is a cartoonist and illustrator who you may know best from Lumberjanes. She's also done covers and shorts for things like Regular Show, Adventure Time, and Bravest Warriors.
6: Well, my name is uh, Kevin Panetta. How's it going?
5: I'm Brooke Allen. (laughs) sorry
6: (laughs) Uh, yeah and we do a podcast called Ep by Ep which is about Buffy the Vampire Slayer Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and I've watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer a bunch of times and Brooke has never seen it before so we go through each episode and get like the perspective from uh, an old veteran like me (laughs) (laughs) and uh, an upstart uh, first timer
5: like Brooke oh that's an upstart an idiot
7: (laughs) (laughs) how far in to the shows are you guys like, how many episodes into uh, Buffy Vampire Slayer?
5: Mm, season two, what? Season
6: we, two. We just recorded episode seven of season two. It hasn't posted yet, but, uh, yeah, the show's coming back in January. We're going to try to bank a few episodes, but, uh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, season two, episode seven—the one we just watched—was called "Lie to Me," Mm -hmm. and uh, I don't even remember what happened in it at this point. (laughs) Oh, there (laughs) were
5: people were were lied to. People
6: were lied to. There were, um, there was like a vampire, like a bunch of teenagers that wanted to be turned into vampires. Yeah. They
5: thought it would be cool. It'd been great. Someone had lied to them, and Buffy wanted to be lied to. Do they have a
7: sacrificial thing at the end of that one? Right? Uh, No, 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 no. Never mind. They just go out and get. That's way later when they're in college. So I have to tell you guys that yes, no, definitely, which comes out Wednesday, right, 16th.
6: Uh, I think it's actually going to be a little bit late, so uh, I don't know when it's coming out at this point. I drew way too many giant fight scenes and double (laughs) page, or wrote too many uh, of those into this issue. So Paulina, I give Paulina way too much to draw. Uh,
7: Well, I appreciate it because her drawings are amazing. The artwork are... art is so beautiful. I hate the color pink. There's so much pink in here, and I find myself falling in love with it. A <laughs> bit. I was like, "There's so much pink, and it's so lovely. There's so many shades. It's not all one thing. It's it's wonderful."
6: It's a lot to get past if you don't like pink. Um, yeah, it might not be the comic for you, but it looks, you know, maybe it is because, like you just said, you got past it. So
7: I mean, not even <laughs> I... past it. Like I started to like. Like it's used so well. Like you're like, I see why people would want their rooms to be entirely pink. If it's gonna be these like. <laughs> perfectly arranged shades of pink it's so wonderful
6: i'm sitting in a purple room right now well that used to be brooks room yeah uh, until i made her move out <laughs> yeah we should get into got that ev-
7: got
5: evicted <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I, I left because i couldn't watch buffy
2: yeah <laughs>
5: <laughs> to be honest <laughs> i feel like emotionally i'm still sort of uh high schooler so it's fine like <laughs> i think it's it's still really special uh for me and empowering even though I forget like oh I'm like coming up on 30 that's terrifying but um yeah I don't know I definitely it's it's really interesting because all of my friends growing up and I mean like my friends now like everyone has seen Buffy and makes all these references and it's definitely like a club that like I've never been a part of and I always like want to know and so now watching it like I'll, I'll hear or see something that I'm like oh now I get it like a million years later but yeah so this is great for me because it's like a vessel for me to be able to like talk about how fun and awesome Buffy is this because is like wonderful. no it's like it's like when when you watch something that someone else has already seen way back when you sort of missed the boat to talk about it with your friends well now i have like kevin and the podcast <laughs> so like, it's it's good it's like therapeutic for me but when kevin takes forever to not to like sort of uh, do the podcast it's sort of <laughs> hey what's going on <laughs> what are you guys talking about you brought me here yeah uh <laughs>
6: But yeah, but I'm always like up to watch Buffy a million times, so it worked out perfectly. I actually didn't watch it when I was a teenager either. I didn't I don't think I watched much TV when I was a teenager. I was always just out like causing trouble.
7: <laughs> it <This> sounds so <laughs> much more interesting because I was definitely always in watching TV. <laughs>
6: yeah, I would go cause trouble, and then I think I would come home and watch like uh like Animaniacs and um like Batman.
7: <laughs> These are solid choices. I see yeah. nothing wrong with any of that. <laughs> <laughs> So do either of you have a favorite episode or episode so far? I don't want to ruin anything for Brooke.
5: Oh,
6: yeah. <laughs> yeah, Brooke, I mean, it's all new to you. So what's, what's your favorite episode so far?
7: So
5: far, um, I think I liked the Halloween episode. I don't know if it's just because it was like the... Oh, no, I like the one when Spike came to town.
7: When he first arrived?
5: Yeah, that one was good. That's sort of like... What is it? School Hard or something? Yeah, School Hard. Yep. Yeah, I can't believe I remembered that. That's great. Yeah, so School Hard. I like that one.
7: Give a rundown um, of what happens for people who, who don't know or haven't seen in a while.
5: Okay, so School Hard, if I remember correctly, Spike comes to town with his paramour, Drew, Scylla, Drew. Um, and they're just like. Was it the beginning of season two?
6: Yeah, it's like episode three or four of season two, I
5: think. Uh huh. Yeah, they just sort of. Uh, I don't know, just took the whole show to another level. Like I was like, Oh man, these characters, there's, they're so interesting. So many one liners. Um, But they come to town and I guess they just, (laughs) I I can't can't remember. I think they just, their, their objective was to like continue on what the little master had been doing. No, wait, not the master. What's the, what's the baby?
6: Oh, the anointed one. Anointed
5: one. (laughs) I was like, the enlightened one? No. The anointed one. The baby. Yeah, right? don't
6: they, like, trap him in a cage?
5: Yeah, they just put him in a cage. That was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, yeah, and they meet Buffy. They're going to take out Buffy. They, like, storm the school or whatever. I don't know. Oh, yeah, Buffy gets, like, locked in the school, right? I think so. With Cordelia. They get locked in a closet, which is great because I love Cordelia. And if I have to, like, ship, like. Anything, uh, that's a great ship. If you have to ship anything, Buffy it's Buffy! I have, Cordelia? Cordelia. I have
2: to. <laughs> yeah. Wow, <laughs> you're so twisting my arm. That's
7: that an be I would that. never ever put those two together. That'd That'd be Buffy great, and Cordelia. Though, right? I feel like as adults, maybe I think as teens, they'd probably destroy each other.
5: <laughs> yeah, it's a, a volatile combination, I think, but well, that's what makes it so interesting.
6: I think Charisma Carpenter tried out for the part of Buffy and um. Sarah Michelle Gellar tried out for the part of Cordelia, so you know there's some wow. they're kindred
5: spirits. <laughs>
7: <laughs> wow! Yeah,
5: so not far off. I picked up on some kind of chemistry, you know. So
7: I love it. That, so that's we have the happened, Anointed One, and the girls are locked in the closet, mm-hmm. and Spike comes to town. When he comes with I'll- Drusilla.
5: Right. And you like a like, uh, GTO or something. Yeah,
6: with like the windows painted black and like all of his uh, <laughs> beer bottles come out of the side of the car.
5: <laughs> yeah, so like that's cool.
6: <laughs> I think I like the end of season one so far. Like uh, like I all my favorite episodes have not happened yet.
7: We actually said something that so you really like the melodrama of Buffy. Are we gonna get to see some of that transferred over into Zodiac Star Force? I think there's a little bit of it coming.
6: Yeah, I mean I think in I think it really like ramped up in um issue 3 yeah like the the bad guy in issue 3 Diana has um like six pages of uh monologuing so i mean <laughs> <laughs> which i i will say like this is one of my this is kind of like my first comic or like i've done little things i wrote like a regular show comic and some uh, bravest warriors and stuff like that like little licensed stuff this is kind of my first big thing and so i get a lot of notes from my editor on each issue And the only thing that I haven't gotten, I got no notes on six pages of uh, Diana's speech. So I was pretty proud of
2: that. Amazing.
6: (laughs) It's like it can all stay in. You don't have to cut any of this. Just like six pages of like her like yelling at the sky, basically. So I was into that.
7: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And I love like really good villains, which again, Buffy is really well known for. And I loved Girl Before because she was so deliciously evil and like popular girl but then to give her such a strong reasoning for why she behaves the way she behaves. I don't want to spoil anything for readers. So I'm speaking very (laughs) vaguely. Um, But basically the bad girl the whole time, she's been so mean and just plain hurtful to people for reasons you can't even, you're just, why do you have to be cruel? You're so pretty and like gorgeous. Just be nice. Um, But in issue three of Zodiac Star Force, we could see what has happened to make her this way. And it's so delicious. It's so, it's the perfect, like, evil, like, oh, she's going to be evil for the rest of her life after that, of course. Like, why wouldn't she be? It just makes so much sense. Um, well, I was
6: like, like, uh, like, I always love Zuko from um,
7: yes.
2: uh,
6: Avatar The Last Airbender and like, and Spike and like Vegeta. And like, I just love <laughs> all those, all those like kind of bad guys that you can sympathize with. I, and I, that's definitely what I wanted to do with Diana. And I think, it I don't know, I, she's like a lot of people's favorite character now, which is really messed up. But, uh, <laughs> but I love it.
7: <laughs> I, uh, she is up there for me. I mean, Lily is great because I think it's rare that we get like emotionally available black. Like I cry at everything. <laughs> Like, the smallest, like, Hallmark commercials get me. Um, And I feel like Lily and I are kindred spirits in that sense. Which also explains why I really would like her to be magical. Because I would like to be magical. Um, I think she's so cool. And she's queer. Like, she's everything. She's everything to me. Um, I
6: like like that Lily kind of, like... I think it's interesting because she... In a way, she kind of lets... Like, she gives savvy Savannah, like, a little bit of rope. And she's like... Like I'll let you like go all over me for like five seconds, but after that I'm not going to deal with this anymore, and we need to like get this straightened out.
7: Yeah, like, I fast. realize you're having your own thing right now, so I could take a back seat, But clearly, and again, issue three just turned everything on its head. Like clearly, she's not to be messed with. Like she's really cool.
6: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad you like Lily. She's she's a big part of the comic going forward. She has a huge role, and yeah, I'm, yeah,
7: I'm so yeah, glad. I, I love her. <laughs> Now, Brooke, to switch things over a little bit briefly to, to Lumber Jeans, uh, when did you, I'm uh, looking at all of my issues here, and I'm missing a couple, so w- when did you join the team?
5: Um, I actually was there in the beginning. Uh, I did the first round of character designs to like back up. Back when I was living at home, it was a rough time <laughs> for sure. Uh, I didn't have a computer. I only had an iPhone. And um, I was just basically like putting art up via... Like I would go to... I would use like my friend's Mac every once in a while. And then I would also go to the library. And that's sort of like how I would get uh, my art on the internet. Or I would just use Instagram and just take pictures of like traditional stuff that I was painting or whatever. Um, And I knew Whitney Leopard because we also went to scad together and i did a graphic novel when i was in school it's a terrible graphic novel but i did it
6: it's not terrible
5: it's awful but so it shall not be named but i i drew it and wrote it um when i was still in school it was like more of a project uh that just got picked up by nbm um so i had that I had never really done like a mini or anything like that. I just basically like dove into doing a graphic novel real quick and <laughs> that's what it looks like. So Whitney knew me through that and contacted me to say like, Hey, we've got this pitch that we're trying to put together. Um, we think it could be kind of special. Check it out. Um, she sent me the original character descriptions that Grace wrote and sort of the overall pitch and just from reading it i was like oh my god like this i really want to read this comic like i hope i hope it gets picked up so i i had to do character designs like very it was a very quick turnaround but i did them with just like a just on pencil and uh computer paper and then took them to the library the next morning to scan them and send them they look like crap like they're awful (laughs) they're like total doo-doo designs like one of them is just (laughs) Which is shameful, but anyway. Um, so, <laughs> so I I sent them off, and they pitched it to Boom, and it got picked up, and uh, then they brought Noel in to fix <laughs> my crappy character designs. April stayed pretty much the same, but then, um, yeah. So they let me know they got picked up, and and then we just sort of hit the ground running from there.
7: That's awesome. Do you have? <laughs> I mean. I guess that would be kind of like choosing between your babies. But do you have a favorite character? There's so many in *Lumberjanes*.
5: Oh gosh. James. Well, I love, I love Jen because she's sort of like, she's the authority figure that like I would. She's the only type of authority figure I would ever listen to. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I have like a real soft spot for her because she reminds me of like the two teachers of like the whole course of going to school that like I was like, oh yeah, like you, you, you get like the humor and everything Uh, you get the kids, but like, you're also like not going to let them get away with anything either. So I don't know, but like you can, you can obviously tell when someone cares.
7: I really appreciate her too, because authority figures, especially in kids things, things geared toward children are either cruel or just like overly cool. (laughs) Like you're like, (laughs) this is no longer an authority (laughs) figure, but she, she, right. She does stem that balance between like, we can have fun, but like, within reason like we, we're gonna hold it back and she's so cool and funny but also still kind of trying to get comfortable with herself at least in the beginning um yeah definitely and that's really um, she's a full person
5: <laughs> yeah she's got she's got a lot going on and then like i think like we're talking about like the cool authority figure rosie is sort of like that but oh, she's yes. like very distant and like and really not great for the kids like growing up or anything necessarily like she's great as like a I don't know, like as like a cool authority figure, but um, as far as like actually taking care of anybody, like she kind of falls short there. I think when there. things
7: get too serious, she's really good for a laugh. Like she's going to pick you up and let like, you know, like this is not the end of you. Like there's yeah. you. And She's good at instilling confidence, sometimes a little too much,
2: <laughs> but,
7: but just getting you like prepared to go out there. And I think that's really cool. But yeah, when you, you need an authority figure for support. It was not really
2: the best choice. (laughs) I feel
6: like does is Ripley seems really fun to draw.
7: Ripley's my favorite to to draw because she's just
5: like she basically has like anime hair and or she's like I mean no one else really draws her with anime hair but I definitely like (laughs) tend to to give her anime hair Um, and yeah she's she's always
6: like climbing all over everybody and like (laughs) (laughs) doing backflips and.
5: the noodliest arms of all the noodle armed (laughs) characters though yeah
7: (laughs) she's kind of the energy of the comic it feels like a lot of times uh Mm -hmm. she's charging headlong into things and totally fearless
6: she's like scrappy do
7: yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's the perfect (laughs) analogy (laughs)
5: yeah basically i feel like he's aggressive though she's not that aggressive
6: Scrappy-Doo. Yeah, Scrappy-Doo is more like... Um, Scrappy-Doo is oh, very aggressive. He's he's like our dog, Birdie, that Brookly <laughs> misses. But, uh, yeah, anyway.
5: <laughs> yeah, that's exactly... Birdie is exactly like Scrappy-Doo. Uh,
7: so, in reading both Lumberjanes and Zodiac Star Force, uh, I think what's really cool is we have authentic teen characterization. Um, I've read so many comics, specifically superhero comics, where you're like, this is not a teenager at all. What are we doing here? That's not how we speak. Or any kind of thing that a teenager would embark upon. Um, Are you guys most... Did you do do research? Or is this mostly from your own memory? Do you know current teens? (laughs) (laughs)
6: Um, I think... uh, I mean, a lot of it's just like from... You know, just trying to remember what I was like when I was in high school. And people that I knew. And then, I don't really know a lot of teens now. But I know a lot of people that are in their 20s that are probably still... (laughs) Sort of acting like <laughs> teens.
5: Arrested Development yeah. <laughs> time. Um,
6: so yeah, I don't know. It's I just try to write everybody like I, I didn't go too heavy on slang because you know it just it tends to sound stupid. Like I'm if I'm having characters talk in a way that I wouldn't talk myself, like it just kind of sounds silly. Um, yeah, but I just remember, you know, everybody's a little more excitable than they would be if they were in their 30s or something. And uh, everything seems just a little bit bigger because everything's kind of amplified. Because I feel like when you're younger, time moves slower um, because you haven't lived as much of your life. So it's <laughs> like it's like a year when you're 16 is like one sixteenth of your life, you know. So it feels like a really big chunk of time.
7: In the first um, issue of Island, Kelly C. DeConnick writes a really great essay on that thought of, how time moves based on how you're how old you are and, and how it fluctuates and how you have to adjust to that
6: she's it's... so amazing <laughs> and that's <laughs>
7: smart.
6: island is really good too i love island so much um yeah so it's just like i don't know just i just don't try to write them like teens if that makes sense
7: yeah
6: um yeah the, the only thing i i did put like a little reference to tumblr in the first issue which um was that's probably about as like slangy and trendy as and teeny as I got, but I just uh, the only reason I put that in there is because Zodiac got its start on Tumblr, and I just wanted to put a little nod in there to, 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 to Tumblr.
5: Did you did you keep it as Tumblr or did you?
6: No, it's Tumblr. It, I oh, okay. I hate. Oh my god, <laughs> I hate when people are like, hey, I'm on Twitter, and like I just went on my Yumblr, and then I went to Face Space, and like. <laughs> And then I went to U screen and I'm just like, oh God, no, it's just Tumblr. Like who cares? What's going to happen?
5: You get sued. By who? By, by Tumblr. I don't know what they do that. Well, <laughs> see, I'll just change it. How, how, does, how, do, how does legal work? I don't understand. What is copyright? I don't know. That's, that's Dark
6: Horse's job.
7: <laughs> <laughs> um, so we don't. Uh, you you guys probably comic fans before you started making them.
2: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah.
7: Definitely. Do you guys have a favorite single issue or or uh favorite arc of a comic book series?
6: Mm. Ooh, just of all time? Yeah. Oh,
5: oh my gosh. <laughs> uh,
6: I can tell you my favorite comic right now is probably monstrous. It's only two issues in, but. Oh uh... yes. Uh, it's by Marjorie Lou and um Sana Takeda. I might have that I might have her name wrong, but uh God, it's just like a dark fantasy thing with like a really well realized world <clears throat> about these monsters and these uh witches that like harvest their bodies for this like precious material.
7: What? And
6: it's it's insane. It's so good. The and artwork then,
7: uh, in that is stunning.
6: stunning. Yeah, that sounds I
7: incredible. Name,
6: I think her name's Sana Takeda. I'm gonna look it up. But uh and then I love um Paper Girls, a lot as well. The Yay. Brian k oh, On, the yeah. Chang series that just started. And, but favorite of all time. That's tough. I'm going to let Brooke answer that and then I'm going to come back.
7: <laughs> oh, okay. I'm going like to <laughs> no pressure Brooke. I
6: was giving you right time now. to.
7: <laughs> I know.
5: I was like, thank you. Keep going. You were like, but oh, also I was <laughs> list... monstrous. <laughs> yeah, I was listening to that because I was like, I I really need to pick that up. I haven't read it yet.
6: Yeah, Sonata um... Takeda. That's her name. Yeah, that's right. Okay, cool. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I would have felt bad if I said the wrong name.
5: Well, my go-to is always Blue Monday because that was like the be- end-all, be-all when I was in high school. It was like basically what got me into comics. Um, thinking about it as a career choice, or even just like making my own comics. Um, I think I love that a
6: lot of people don't know what Blue Monday is. You should tell. Expert. Oh
5: well, China Clugston then major now Flores. Um, she writes and draws it, and it's basically like a Western manga about. Like mod kids and mod and ska kids in high school, which is what I took a lot of my uh, I took way too much inspiration for like just my life and how to live from that comic. Like it's embarrassing, but I had Clover's haircut, which didn't translate very well into like a three dimensional world. Um, I have to say, it was not nearly as cool as. It is drawn in the comic um, but the issue I think Love Cats I don't know where it's it's a love story between Clover and oh god I'm blanking on the guy's name Victor um, but there's like a moment where Blue has like a dream where she thinks that Clover is into her and they kiss in the dream and that just like blew my mind I was like oh my god like I think this might be the, the time where I need to go tell all my friends that I'm gay like I'm definitely gay <laughs> And it was just like a really big moment for me, even though it was like kind of a joke in the, in the story. It was the fact that they were even acknowledging it was cool. Cause I was like, I'm in love with my best friend. This is perfect. Like this is <laughs> really important. I feel like um, all
7: queer girls can identify with this moment in some form yeah. of pop culture, whether it be like <laughs> a TV show or a movie, yeah. like uh, Southland on the end. Oh, man. I tell you, that show gave me all of the feels about <laughs> queer <laughs> teenagers. It's just amazing.
5: Oh, yeah. Whenever like you get that little kernel of like, oh, queer representation, you you just run with it. You're like, this is amazing um so yeah that stuck with me i have no idea i'm trying to think (laughs) i work uh
6: like i work at a comic book store so i read so many comics all the time and i can't think of like what my favorite thing of all time is um i love uh this one summer a lot
5: Mm -hmm. uh
6: by mariko and julian tamaki i mean that's that's up there um through the woods the emily carroll uh horror book so good I love You've that. A
5: genius.
6: So everything I'm saying is like new. <laughs> I don't know. Like when I when I was little, I read like Spider Man. Um, <laughs> I was really into like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and I loved. Um, I guess like when I I got really into um, Cerebus and Sandman when I was like 11.
4: Wow. And,
6: and so those kind of blew my mind and kind of changed the way that I thought about comics. You were reading basically the comic- at 11. <laughs> I was, yeah. Oh,
7: wow. <laughs> so.
6: So when I was 11, um, my best friend, like his dad was a photographer and he had this like really cool older brother and like um, we got all of his punk records and started listening to them. And so I got really into like the Dead Kennedys and stuff when I was 11 years old. And then it kind of changed what I wanted in everything that I was consuming. (laughs) So I like watched Eraserhead and um, (laughs) and the comic store I shopped at, it was like all the new issues were down this row and on one side were all the superhero things. And then, behind, like, if you turned around, it was all like the independent comics and like mini comics and stuff. So one day, I just turned around, and that was it.
2: Wow! <laughs> yeah, uh,
5: <laughs> so simple. Yeah. But, like, yeah, I, I I remember picking up. Uh, I mean, this isn't a comic, but um, I mean, Bernie and There's like a little bit of crossover, right?
6: Um. But he did like what, like Swamp Thing or
5: something? Yeah, he did Swamp Thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he had illustrated Cycle of the Werewolf. Um, oh yeah yeah (laughs) so i found that and i i was probably like seven or eight and just they're like the most gorgeous depictions of gore (laughs) (laughs) terrible
6: um it's all like like it's all just like brush stuff right like ink and brush uh it's like the stuff that was in like eerie magazine yeah exactly
5: and then but then there's like these little um like before each chapter there's like a it looks like it should be an etching but he did it all with just like a brush like the the draftsmanship and everything just like blew my mind and then also the subject matter was really cool because i loved werewolves and monsters and i still do but like yeah i had to hide that from my parents for a while
2: but i (laughs) i
5: loved that that definitely like I don't know. I love the the morbid stuff or just things that like deal with death. Like I loved Three Shadows too, which is like not a morbid story, but it deals with death in a different way.
6: Yeah. <laughs> and they all die of cancer.
7: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, okay, so I have a question. Um Kevin, you and Paulina on Zodiac Star Force started doing like this ma- I don't even know if I want to call it like a major campaign, but advertising it was done so well before the book like so far before the book came out i started seeing uh fan art and <laughs> all kinds of crazy just outpouring of love and affection before the book even hit the stands. how planned was your kind of social media advertising
6: it was not i i think we were just really excited <laughs> and so we got we started to get people were getting excited about the web comic before before it was anything and um once it got announced, I think people were just really excited. So I do have to say like, like a big shout out to, S- to Steve Sunu who worked at, um, dark horse and was really like the promo guy behind the book. He got us set up like, um, with the, the interview with Kate Leth, um, w- which was like the big announcement on comics Alliance. And then I got to do an interview with Sam Mags who wrote fangirls guide to the galaxy. And, uh, which was awesome. And now I've like become friends with both of them and they're great. And, um, and so I think when the announcement happened, people were just really excited because it was, like, a, like actually a Magical Girl comic. And I think people just really wanted a Magical Girl comic. And I don't know. I, it was I, – I don't know why people got so behind it. But, um, yeah, I mean, we, we posted about it a lot and just got super excited about it. And I think it got the – the excitement was kind of infectious. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It wasn't really that planned out. <laughs> it was just kind of a thing that happened, and it's great. I mean, we got cost like before the first issue came out, we had cosplay, and now people are drawing their own uh, like themselves as uh, members of Zodiac Star Force, called like Starsonas, and uh, it's awesome. I love it so much.
7: <laughs> <laughs> it's a huge community, and it it seemed to literally happen on my feed on Twitter overnight. I mean, I don't, I don't like overnight, but very quickly, I started noticing like your pictures and. Paulina was always on top of, like, getting the newest information out. And then even talking to my uh, local comics distributors about just, you know, when are we getting this comic? And I've never pre-ordered a comic before. I pre-ordered this one. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) People were so hyped about it. So I just thought that was really cool. It's kind of awesome to hear that it was just um, your guys' love and pure excitement to be delivering the comic that brought all of that out.
6: Yeah, and I think it was a little bit of right place at the right time, like, I, I don't know, like, I mean, I think what we did is, I'm really proud of the comic, and but I think it also just came out kind of, you know, Steven Universe has been going, and it's been so great, like, and um, mm-hmm. it's just kind of, the magical girl thing is really, I think a lot of people are at that age now where they grew up watching Sailor Moon and, and watching Cardcaptor and all that stuff, and, and uh, Magical Knight Rayearth, and they're all kind of of an age now where they're really excited about new media and just you know like comics and I don't know it just it just kind of all worked out in this perfect way.
7: As a person who never stopped loving cartoons it's been really awesome to see uh, like this resurgence of kid-friendly comics uh, which were gone for so long it was either like here's a comic for Mm. a five-year-old and then Here's a comic for 22-year-olds. There's, like, no kind of support in the middle. And I think with Lumberjanes, it was definitely kind of the first strike at that. And uh, Boombox is doing crazy stuff with Teen Dog and uh, pushing all those things. And now we're kind of seeing a little bit with uh, other Boom properties. They picked up all of Adventure Time and everything. Do you guys think this is a trend, or that it's gonna? you pretty sure it's going to keep going forward?
6: I think I it's... Think so. yeah, yeah, I think it's going to keep going. I don't th- Yeah, I don't think it's a trend. I think it's just, like a thing where um, I'm trying really hard not to swear on this podcast, but uh, <laughs> I think it's just like a thing where people just like stopped being stupid and, <laughs> and realized that like comics aren't just for like weird dudes who have read comics their entire life. Yeah. Um, There's and like
5: the whole web comics community. That's just like myriad it, and
6: yeah. And like diverse. those people spend yeah. money too and they don't see, but, but, I don't know, it's weird because the comics industry is so closed off from that because they don't see that because the web comics people are selling their own stuff. So mm-hmm. it's like like um, the guy that does Dresden Kodak or whatever, he'll sell merchandise and he'll make a bunch of money. And But people who are maybe publishers don't see that on the sort of more mainstream publishing side of things. And so they didn't take chances on anything like that for such a long time. But then once they did, and I think Lumberjanes was really a big thing that opened a lot of doors
2: yeah
7: uh,
6: so i think i think now that the doors are open i don't see any reason why they would close anytime soon
7: i'm very mm-hmm. glad to hear that because i really like it <laughs> there's so many great things to pick up like i like my older imagey stuff too i collect all of that like you said monstrous is just oh, yeah amazing Saga. and mm-hmm. uh world's end which just came out is super good so many good things but these kids comics and like even dc is like, i really want people to start buying stuff for the dcu like they came out with so many like prez is slang it is so good and the numbers are terrible and i don't know what i have to do to convince people to read it <laughs> it's a wonderful comic book it's super liberal 19 year old girl is running the country and it's so fun and it's you two year old could read it and not be like offended or hurt by anything in it, but also there's sometimes um, Beavis and butthead style jokes in there. <laughs> like it's so fast <laughs> and fun and it's well, and all the stuff Brendan Fletcher,
6: Fletcher is doing, like um, like Batgirl and uh, yes, Gotham Academy, Academy and Black Canary, and uh, yeah. and then I think We Are Robin is really good now too. Um, so yeah, I think DC's doing; they're starting to get there. I think Marvel's doing like really interesting.
7: Yeah, they've got Kamala
6: and um, yeah. I feel... Miles Morales and uh, Squirrel Girl <laughs> and uh, Spider-Gwen and Silk and uh, the Spider-Woman comic is fantastic. So And Howard the Duck. I mean, they're doing a lot of great stuff over there, too. So I think it's all kind of, you know, it all kind of, it's all spreading out. And a lot of the writers that you see that maybe started on Boom Books and stuff are, you know, it's like, Kate Leth, who was writing *Bravest Warriors*, is now going to be writing *Hellcat*. You know,
5: so yeah. um, Brittany Williams, who just did like uh just like the fill-in parts of the *Lumberjanes* anthology issue, she's drawing it.
6: And yeah, and she's, she's drawing a- the *Legend of Korra* <laughs> comic that's coming out as well. So is like, she
5: really? Uh,
7: yeah. Yeah.
6: Oh, is oh that God, has guys, that been announced? So
7: awesome. I don't know.
6: Oh no. <laughs> oh no um i think that was announced
7: who knows Uh, i'll check and if we have to hold off releasing for a little bit maybe that's just what we do (laughs) yeah
6: i I think that was announced so um yeah check if it wasn't can you cut that part
7: out (laughs) yeah we'll take care of it (laughs) no (laughs)
6: worries
7: but super awesome insider thing not gonna lie that makes me so happy (laughs) Uh, um
6: but yeah so no it's exciting And, and uh yeah and i think it's just gonna keep going so it's awesome
7: awesome super awesome so i was on your twitter feed the other day kevin and i saw that uh you were doing some research getting ancient scrolls from the netherlands can you yeah <laughs> speak to that um
6: that's actually i can't say too much about it but i will say it is for a comic that i'm doing with brooke
7: yeah oh what that's awesome guys
6: yeah so yeah. uh look for an announcement (laughs) about that in like, I don't know, like four months or something like that.
2: But yeah, we're working on something
6: together. Um, Yeah. And as part of my research, uh, alchemy is a big part of the sort of mythology of the thing I'm working on. So I, uh, yeah, I contacted a university in the Netherlands to get access to an ancient scroll that they have in their collection. Oh my
5: God. <laughs> Kevin, you're the best. <laughs> so
6: that should be pretty awesome. That's yeah, so uh, the, cool. w- the woman that wrote the scroll is fascinating. Her name, uh, she named herself Cleopatra after the actual Cleopatra. and oh, uh, But yeah. she was like an alchemist in the third oh. century. And her big thing was she was trying to, um, uh, she was trying to complete the major work like to create a, a philosopher's stone to turn base metals into gold. Uh, and but she so she was this she was this alchemist and she called herself Cleopatra. And then by the time, uh, like late in her career, she was just writing her papers as Cleopatra, Queen of Egypt. Wow, oh <laughs> so she had reached like 100% baller status. <laughs> she's like, she's like, whatever, I'm just the Queen of Egypt now. Like, that's just the way it is. I hope oh you God. like my alchemy. <laughs>
7: Yeah,
6: so she's awesome
7: <laughs> kevin do you want to uh rep your uh, comic book shop at all you want to throw out some names and tell people to come yeah on sure down? i work
6: at a big yeah big planet comics in washington dc it's a good Woo-hoo. store we have uh four locations in the metro dc area uh no it's awesome yeah uh yeah it's cool and they do a podcast which i'm on sometimes i'll be on the end of the year one this year and
7: um, what's
6: that one called uh it's the big planet comics podcast
7: Anything you guys want to tell the folks before we sign off here? Anything new and exciting to look out for? People to wrap? Mm. Things you can talk I about? Wanna, <laughs> yeah,
6: I'll plug stuff. Uh, well, I, so I've got a comic called Zodiac Star Force, which we talked <laughs> about a little bit. But uh, but yeah, coming out from Dark Horse, uh, the the collection trade paperback is going to be really awesome. It's coming out in March, uh, and there's tons of like backup material in it. Uh, including like our original mini comic that, that we made.
5: Oh my uh, god, I love our, that thing.
6: Our webcomic pages and a bunch of concept art. So uh, pre-orders of that help us out a lot to, to keep the book going. So if you want to pre-order those, that'd be awesome. And then I have a book called Mutant Punks uh, and the second <laughs> issue of that is coming out pretty soon. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Kevin Panetta.
5: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, lis-
6: and listen to Ep by Ep.
5: Oh yeah, do that. <laughs> so that I can continue to watch Buffy. <laughs>
7: poor Buffy,
5: because guys. Want, it's I a want,
7: worthy cause. Older. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> awesome. I'm looking forward to issue 25 and hopefully picking up a few of the very early issues that I missed I mean, most of the most of it. There. Hey, and, yeah. Brittany
6: Williams was announced as the Legend of Korra artist at New York Comic Con. So oh,
7: a long time ago, cool. I was just so, out of no the
6: So you do not have to edit this We didn't this
7: blow it, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy listening to my flub over and over again. <laughs> you guys hear me hear the news. It was very exciting. <laughs> thank you guys so much for coming by and chatting with me for a bit. It was wonderful.
6: Yeah. Thanks oh, for yeah. listening to us. Blab. Um, Seriously. It's... Thank you for <laughs>
7: inviting me. Absolutely. Read Jeans, Read Zodiac Star Force number four whenever it comes out because it promises to be great. Thank you guys so much.
5: Thank you.
4: Right. Bye. Thanks. The beat don't change So you really gonna have to listen to my words This is a stream of consciousness This is a non-love song Because, well, you'll discover why It can't just be a regular love song In a second, yo I'm checking my text and I get a request For Simmons to give him a ten minute set I won't get a check but I never reject Whenever I could get a second to spit At first I was reading the fine print Making sure that it seeming alright then I saw words I did not want to find when Theme of the night, and I was not a big fan of it, so I hit up my management. Yeah, I called him to cancel it. He told me to chill, I was tripping, I needed some cannabis. Like, Sam, it's just articulate what is the problem. I really can't figure out what's wrong. I told him, I'm you, wildin'. They want me to give him a love song. If I look through my catalog, I don't make that kind of song. That ain't the sh- that I'm on. You need to respond, and you tell him, I might be gone. He laughed and he told me that maybe it's time. Word that I always be trying to deny So I don't want to ride it I want to feel it when the love dies I want to deal with a love song that I can never hear It's better for me when it all disappears Don't want to ride it I want to feel it when the love dies I want to deal with a love song that I can never hear It's better for me when it all disappears Love is a cliche Can I honestly say Something better than what I create with my beat tapes I mean it's a deep space I don't have the tools or the vocab To give it the feeling we both It rains every day in the forecast How can I write about kissing you When I don't want to share it with anyone else How can I write about giving you Parts of me that I never once gave to myself How can I talk about bing, 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 bing. It's a feeling How can I write about running, 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 running My hands on your fingers How can I capture the motion Of the car when I'm pulling the doja? Cause you tried to jump out when I told ya I might let someone else get the chocha And we both high adult ya. a love song that I can't ever hear it's better for me when it all disappears I don't want to write it, I want to feel it when the love dies, I won't have to deal with a love song that I can't ever hear it's better for me when it all disappears I don't want to write it, I want to feel it when the love dies, I won't have to deal with a love song that I can't ever hear it's better for me when it all disappears